what has happened is the same thing that happened in Jesus' days, where you have all these religious people going around saying, well, we're the children of Abraham. What are you talking about? We ain't, we're free already. That's what, they had a false notion of salvation, and that's what's going on these days. Where people feel like, well, it's all about if you just believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins, you're saved. That's the grace of God. It's a gift. You can't earn it. So no matter what you do after that, you know, you're, it's not even about that. It's just about if you accept what Jesus did for you on the cross. Well, the Bible does teach forgiveness of sins because of what Christ did on the cross. Romans 3.25 said his blood was shed for the remission of sins that are past. Hebrews 10, 26 through 29 says if we sin willfully, after that we've come to the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more a sacrifice for sin. And if you go down to verse 29 in that same passage, you can see this applies to a man who once was, quote unquote, was sanctified by the blood. A man who once was made holy by the blood can again fall under judgment by going into willful sin once he knows better. People say, well, that's not the grace of God. Yes, the grace of God empowers you. The grace of God changes you and makes you free from sin and gives you power over sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 14 through 16. Read it. The sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you are not under the law, but under grace. So under grace, sin does not have the power to overtake you. And then what does he go on to say? What then? This is Romans 6, 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not. And when he says know ye not, he's saying don't you know this is why. This is why we do not sin under grace. He said what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey, his servant ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. He's talking about sinning under grace. If you cannot see that, it's because you're blinded by presuppositions. You don't want it to say that. Romans 6, 14 through 16 talks about sinning under grace, and it says if you do it, you're going to die. It is contrasted with eternal life. We're not talking about some temporal physical death here. We're talking about a contrast with eternal life contextually. You cannot walk in willful sin and say you're saved. That is a lie. That is not in the Bible. But we got these religious people, all these people running around these days saying you're saved and comforting people in their sin. And they'll tell you, I sin every day. And you know what the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2? That beware of of the false there were false prophets among the people and there will be false teachers among you who privately shall be bringing damnable heresies and he goes on to say having eyes full of adultery and they cannot cease from sin beguiling unstable souls they can't cease from sin and they're telling you how to be free and that's what he's talking about in that passage read second peter chapter 2 the whole chapter they can't cease from sin. And they'll tell you they can't cease from sin. Well, what's the standard if you can't cease from sin? 
Jesus is the standard. And if you can't say with Paul, I no longer live, but it's Christ that lives in me, then you're not walking in the gospel. And if you're saying it's not me to live, but it's Christ lives in me, but I'm still in sin, well then you have a misconstrued version of the gospel. You're not submitted to Jesus because Jesus is not going to lead you into sin. If you're following Jesus in the spirit of Christ, you're not going to go into sin. And I know there's a bunch of heretics out there that are going to say, well, you can be in sin and be saved. Once saved, always saved. It's a lie. I wrote a whole Bible, a, a whole commentary together called the Armenian Bible Commentary. It's also published as the Salvation Bible Commentary. It's on Amazon. Over 650 pages. And I show in there, I go through each of the scriptures. You just flip to that passage and you can read commentaries from different men of God who show, no, that is not what the Bible teaches in this passage. I got entries in there from men who wrote in the first and second century who you'll see the earliest Christians even after the Bible was written didn't believe this once saved always saved junk it is a lie from Satan to keep you in sin just like Adam and Eve in the garden when when God told Adam and Eve you will die when you eat of the tree did they eat of it when did they eat of it when did Eve ate it when did Eve eat of it when the devil came and said what you will not surely die so as long as she believed the repercussion of sin she didn't eat of it but when the devil said you will not surely die then she took of it and ate and that's what's going on these days nobody fears God and you wonder why you can't walk holy because you have no fear of God the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7 and 1 having these promises dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God and when you lose the fear of God, you're losing that asset that, that is a truth, a warning to you that sin results in death. Just like Eve lost it and lost it and, and, uh, and messed up big time. Proverbs 16, 6 says, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. But people say, well, you're not supposed to fear God. You know, that means reverence in the Greek. That's a lie. That's a lie. The same word that is used when it says fear God, the fear of God, is the same word is used in, in 1 John 4, 17, 18, where it says perfect love casts out fear. Same word. It don't mean reverence when it says fear God, but it really means fear when it says perfect love casts out fear. It's the same word in the Greek. It's talking about judgment day when it says perfect love casts out fear. Read it in context. Don't start at verse 18, 1 John 4, 17. It says, we have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. That is the context. It's talking about the day of judgment. The day of judgment. When you're walking in righteousness, upright before God in Christ Jesus, you don't fear judgment day. The fear of God preserves you. It causes you to be cleansed where you're checking yourself and you're not assuming, oh, I'm, I'm okay. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, he said, I don't care if anybody judges me. This is a paraphrase. He said, I don't care if any man judges me. I don't judge myself. He said, I don't know anything I'm doing wrong, but I'm not hereby justified because he that judges me is the Lord. 
He says, even though, I, even though I quit myself and I say, well, I'm doing everything right. I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong. He said, that don't mean I'm righteous. That don't mean I'm justified before God. Because he's the one that judges me. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, knowing then the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He said, whether absent or present in the body, he's talking about whether we're, 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 we're dead, you know, after this life or whether we're still laboring in this life. He said, we strive, we labor to be accepted of him. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, laboring to be accepted of him. And if you don't understand that, if you don't understand what it means to seek to please God in your life out of the fear of God, you are missing the mark. And you probably got some lukewarm version of Christianity. And it's enough of this. It's enough of this. If you're confused about what the Bible says, get that book, Salvation Bible Commentary. And look up those passages and read them. I marked it. I, you can get the Kindle version from Amazon.com. It's like $2.99, as low as I could price it. And just flip to that passage and read it. And see, the Bible does not teach once saved, always save. People got it twisted. People got it twisted. They miss, they, they confuse conversion when you're dead in your sins and then God revives you and saves you. They think, well, that's just the whole life pattern. No, once you get saved, once you get revived, once you get made alive in Christ, you're a new creature, then you got to walk it out. There's an empowerment. There's a change that comes. You can't stay in that same position without any change and say, I'm saved forever no matter what I do. That is not the gospel message. We need to get back to the basics. Where is the self-denying, dying to self, saying no to the flesh, turning our plate over, self-sacrificing, Offering my body as a living sacrifice, denying myself, taking my cross, and following Jesus. Where is it, brothers and sisters? You want to know what happened? That's what happened. We got to get back to the basics where it ain't about the consent of men and seeing what they think about it. But it's I know I got to surrender and get on my face before God. Because if God don't do it, it ain't going to be done. And it ain't going to be done as long as I'm living lukewarm and half-stepping. It's all or nothing. And yeah, it's a hard road, brothers and sisters. That's why he says few will find life. It's a hard road. Many will go to destruction. It's broad and easy to travel. Persecution is in the narrow way. Rejection. Hatred from men. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. Why do we see Jesus getting rejected by the world and carrying his cross? And going to his death? unjustly for standing up for the truth he said the world hates me because I testify of the works thereof that they're evil why do we see that and he says follow me and our path looks nothing like his path our life looks nothing like his life are we following Jesus no and it's time to quit sugarcoating it and denying the truth because we're only hurting ourselves and hurting one another we're pleasing man we're not a servant of Christ we need to serve God and serve him and let our heart be sanctified towards the Lord we're his we're bought with a price we're not our own 
No longer our will, but the will of God. No longer our agenda, but the agenda of God. No longer filling our days with vanity and making excuses for checking out and not being on our face before God and serving Him and making a difference in this world. The harvest is plenty. The labors are few. There's such a need these days for somebody to stand up and make a difference and be the difference. Everybody sees. It is not a secret. Everybody sees what's going on in the church world. How dead it has become. And there is such a need for somebody to stand up and make the difference and be that sacrifice that lays on the altar and says, I will die with you, Jesus. You took your cross. I'm taking my cross and I'm dead to the world. It's not me no more that lives. Use me. I heard Ron Hartbach say, you don't even have to pray to the Lord use me. You just say, Lord, make me usable because he wants to use you, but he can't use you because you got too much crap in your life. Make a decision. Because if you're saying wait, if you're saying not everything, then that is a no. And our time here is short and we will give an account to God. There's no time left for making these excuses. Don't you see the need? Don't you see the environment our children are raised up in? It'll cost you everything, but fix your eyes. Paul says in Colossians 3, set your affection on things above, not on things below because you're dead. Your life is hid with Christ and God. You're dead. You shouldn't be walking around about this life and about this world and about trying to make your life wonderful. It's about eternity. If we're not looking to eternal things, if we're looking to this life, we're missing it and we're not going to stand the test because this life is going to be forfeit. It is going to you're going to go through a lot, but you'll have the presence of God with you. And you'll have the peace that passes all understanding. And you'll know I'm at peace with my creator. And I'm going somewhere. And this life is short. And it's going to be over soon. And I have an internal inheritance that this suffering is not worthy to be compared to. That's why Paul could look at it. At the things he was going through. And he said, our light affliction, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding glory. His light is but for a moment because he saw the reward. And the Bible says in Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. It says for the joy that was set before him, he was looking ahead. And we get so caught up in what we see here and what other people do and what they say about us when they're just dust like us. Who are they? They're nothing. When our Creator is seeing all we're doing, I was reading Revelation chapter 3 where Christ was speaking to the church of Sardis and he says I know you have a name that you live but you're dead he said strengthen those things that are dying which remain and are ready to die he says I have not found your works perfect before God 
You ain't finished yet. It ain't time to check out and sit down and say I've done well. It's time to lay on the altar again and say, God, take everything. I don't want me. I want you. Empty me. Fill me with you. Empty me. If it's of me, I don't want it. You hear the voice of truth because this is the truth. before me the world behind me no turning back though none go with me still I will follow no turning back I've decided to follow Jesus it's your time it's your choice see eternal things you better get your eyes off this world this world's going to go through changes this world everything people think is going to go on forever it's not our life is but a vapor says James it's vanishing away don't be a fool. Don't hold on to vanity. Ask God for strength. Ask God for the Holy Spirit. Lay before Him. Wait on the Lord. Shut everything out and wait on Him. Lay before Him. Pray. Read your Bible. Surrender. When you get that notion of, I want to go do something that's vanity that ain't going to benefit my spiritual walk. No. I'm going to do something. I'm going to surrender before God. I'm going to seek His face. And you'll feel that power. You'll feel that refreshing. And stay there, brothers and sisters. Stay there. Don't let anything take it away. Stay there. Let's press on. Eh? Let's take our cross and not look at Jesus walking by with a cross on his shoulder. He says, take your cross and follow me. He say, no, I don't want to. This is how I'm not asking you to do something I didn't do. I'm saying, follow me. This is the way. And his fight is over. And Paul's fight is over. And the men of faith that have gone before us, their fight is over. They'll never have to endure anything again. Just don't be fools. Today, right now. Make the decision. Father God, we ask for your strength, God. For your strength that when they say yes in their heart, God, when they surrender to you, when they give up the things of vanity that they've been holding on to, that you'll meet them there, that they'll feel that refreshing. We need you, Father God. We need you, God. Thank you for being a present help in time of trouble. Hallelujah.